From the Aleuts at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cutback. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. Game preview show. San Francisco 49ers versus Seattle Seahawks. And of course, it's going to be the nightcap on Thanksgiving. That's how everyone's going to end the night by watching two division rivals get down in Seattle. And it's got a lot of ramifications that are going to come from this game. The San Francisco 49ers currently lead the NFC West by one game. But right behind them at 6-4 and four is the Seattle Seahawks, and they are looking to catch up. And the quickest way to catch up is beat the team ahead of you. So the Seattle Seahawks are going to be highly motivated for this matchup. They are dealing with a few injuries. We'll get into that during this episode. Uh, but the 49ers are coming off a couple of big victories. One against Jacksonville, who at the time was playing some of the best football in the entire league. And then against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have a very good run defense. So... Uh, They're not bad wins. They're very, very good wins. And the 49ers look to have completely bounced back from that three-game losing streak during the middle of the season. They're fresh. They're ready to go. And they're completing a three-games-in-12-days run here. And so they're going to have some time off after this game. But right now, the full focus is beating the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. If you do it, you set yourself up uh, to win the division, win the NFC West, and put yourself in prime position for a better seed in the playoffs. Because now that we've gotten to this point, that's what it's about. It's about playoff seeding and making sure you are in the exact spot you need to be uh, to win football games and to get playoff wins. So uh, really excited you know, for this episode. Of course, if you're watching for the first time, please like and subscribe to the channel. I really appreciate that. If you're listening on audio platform, 40 hours cutback on Believe, please give it a five-star rating. I really appreciate everyone Uh, That's been coming through, of course, all kinds of content on the channel. Check it out and let me know what you think. And what's up to Randy Daytona? He says, hashtag TCC. And he says, uh, aloha, Ant, and how's it going, uh, Randy? I'm glad you're right here in chat. And, of course, in this episode, I'm going to be getting into, you know, the key matchups, getting into some bold predictions, and also predicting the winner of this game. I'm going to give my call on who I think is going to win throughout the episode. If you have questions, Go ahead and leave them in the chat. I'll get to them if I can. If you want me to definitely get to it, leave a super chat. I'll do that. If you're a member, you can use uh, your abilities there to leave a free super chat. So uh, thanks, everyone, for coming through and getting into this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With the up-to-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four. Bet Online has info at your fingertips and with desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. From MMA to international soccer, head to Bet Online today. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Mr. Corey's in the house. Says, Ant, I've missed the last few shows. Well, I'm glad you're here for this one, Mr. Corey. Let's get into this. And let's start with the offensive 
key matchup for the San Francisco 49ers against the Seahawks defense. And I think it comes down to the run game. Last week, I was very adamant that the 49ers need to establish the passing game early on against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and loosen up the Tampa Bay defense. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan did. Early on, had a little bit of success, uh, kind of worked in some run game, and he was able to take advantage of what Tampa Bay was giving. Tampa Bay was a really good run defense team, but the 49ers found ways around it. But really, Brock Purdy and that 49ers skill players at the wide receiver tied, tied in and running back positions were able to make big plays down the field. And so I look for the 49ers to try to establish a run game earlier in this matchup. They have some aggressive players on Seattle. You're going to have Jamal Adams healthy. He's going to want to get in the box and make plays against the run game. But I feel like if you can establish a run game against Seattle and their secondary, that you're going to have some opportunities to make plays in the play-action game. Because those young players like to be hyper-aggressive. They like to get on you. They like to make plays. They like to be physical. If you establish a run game go, though, you have some advantages. And the 49ers are averaging 132 yards on the ground per game, and Seattle is giving up 112. So you can see there's a correlation between 49ers strength running the football and Seattle's weak, one of their weaknesses of giving up yards on the ground. Now, they've done a good job of trying to fix those problems during the offseason. They went out and they got Bobby Wagner during the season. They traded for Leonard Williams. Those things definitely have helped Seattle's run game uh, defense, but they still have been giving up yards on the ground. So the 49ers need to take advantage of it. And we've seen that in the last three matchups that the 49ers have had against Seattle, they've had explosive runs and they've been able to make big plays on the ground. I mean, Christian McCaffrey in the playoffs last year had a huge run against Seattle, just an absolute whole shot play. And those things are huge. Lately, teams since Cleveland have decided to go single high safety, eight guys in the box, and limit the 49ers effectiveness on the ground. But early success in the run game will establish play action. If you're able to get Jamal Adams to commit to coming into the box, if you're able to get their young corners on the outside to look for the run, if they're able to get Quadre Diggs to want to come and jump up into the box, you're going to get those guys coming forward. But more importantly, what it does is it slows up the pass rush a little bit. It can also get those linebackers committed. Uh, Bobby Wagner, you know, committing to that run game to stop it. And then it's going to create that void in the middle of the field where Kyle likes to have some plays. And Brock Purdy's been great. That 10 to 19 area of the field, Brock Purdy has just been awesome. Uh, so that's exactly what they want to hit. But getting that run game going will establish that play action game which I think will really hurt Seattle's pass defense if that happens. It will make those young secondary players eager to come up and in the run and allowing for some big plays down the field. And we've seen we've seen George Kittle have huge plays against Seattle on primetime. That's what he does, and he's going to be looking to do that as well. It's a mismatch for him on Jamal Adams. Uh, so that's something that I definitely want to see uh, from the 49ers in this game is the taking advantage of George Kittle uh, potentially, you know, getting that matchup on Jamal Adams. And we got a super chat here from Daryl Granville. He says, hey, coach, who can our D-line exploit? Well, when it comes to Seattle, to be honest with you, uh, Daryl, their, their, their offensive line is not great. Uh, They're going to be playing 41-year-old Jason Peters at right tackle because Abraham Lucas is on IR. That's a huge blow. Now, Peters is a very experienced player. 
He knows exactly what uh, you know players want to do to him, but he's not as fleet-footed as he used to be. He's not as talented as he used to be, and I think he's one they can target. Nick Bosa, Chase Young should be able to be very aggressive with Jason Peters. I think that's somebody. And yes, young, the young player on the other side, Charles Cross, is good, but I think the 49ers can take advantage of him too. I really believe that the 49ers defensive line versus the offensive line for Seattle is a major mismatch in the 49ers' favor. I don't think Seattle does a great job run blocking. I think they're really struggling when it comes to pass blocking. Geno Smith has to get rid of the football quickly to not go on the ground. So I think there's mismatches all over. I brought up the two outside guys, but I don't exactly think they're great on the inside either. I think the 49ers can take advantage of their center, Evan Brown, and their right guard, Phil Haynes. So I think Hardgrave, Armstead, and the two outside guys should have success no matter what incarnation you see of that offensive line for Seattle. And with them missing Kenneth Walker, it could be a, a tough sledding. And that's something I definitely am going to be talking about when I'm talking about key matchups on the defensive side of the ball because Kenneth Walker not being there is a huge, huge problem you know, for the Seattle Seahawks. And so I think that they're going to have to continue to work on getting you know back to what they do and running the ball with Zach Charbonnet. And I don't know if they can do that against the 49ers um, defense. The 49ers defense is just so good. Uh, by running the football, though, the 49ers are going to be able to win the time of possession. And winning the time of possession is huge. You're on a short week. Uh, you just played a game on Sunday, and Seattle did the same thing. Neither one of these teams are going to be completely healthy when they line up to play. So by establishing a run game, you're going to make it tough on that defense. And the first defense that wears down, that's going to give huge plays to the offense. So I think the 49ers establishing a run game, whether that is just running Christian McCaffrey, getting Debo involved, getting some quick screens to Debo Samuel on the outside, whatever they have to do to establish a run game against Seattle is important. Winning the time of possession and converting on third down are huge. And when you look at the third down conversion rates, the Seattle Seahawks give up third down conversions at 44%. Their defense hasn't been able to get off the field consistently this season. And the 49ers are pretty good at converting on third down, 44.3%. So Seattle gives it up at 44%. The 49ers convert at 44%. The likelihood is the 49ers are going to have very much success on third down. Now, if you establish a run game on the early downs and you're having success with that run game, you're going to have easy to convert third down situations. You have to stay on schedule. If you stay on schedule on first and second down, third downs are easier. And, and according to the stats, Seattle struggles on third downs. So that is very important for the 49ers to take advantage of. And of course, I want to keep getting into some of these um, you know, comments as we go through. And David says, seems like Shaney likes to take advantage of Seahawks linebackers in the passing game. And I that's that's a good point. And part of the reason is uh, Bobby Wagner is no longer a great matchup against the running back. They used to feel very confident with taking Bobby Wagner and lining him up against a tight end or running back, and he could handle them in the passing game. Well, he's kind of fallen off a little bit as far as pass defense, and it's nothing on him. He's just aging. He's getting older. Last year when he played for the Rams, they tried to play him against Christian McCaffrey when McCaffrey was with the Panthers. McCaffrey absolutely torched Bobby Wagner. Last year, once he got traded to the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey absolutely torched Bobby Wagner in one-on-one -on -one situations. So, yeah, that's a very tough matchup. Brooks against McCaffrey, not good. If the 49ers can get matchups of McCaffrey and Debo against those linebackers, I don't think that's good situation for Seattle. 
but something the 49ers definitely want to take advantage of in this football game. Because if you're taking advantage of uh, those linebackers in space, it's going to make it diff more difficult for those guys also to stop the run, which is one of the main goals. Because if you're establishing a run game and you got the, the possession, you're converting on third down, you're going to take the crowd out of the game. One of the biggest things about playing in Seattle is managing that crowd's effectiveness. And when you go on silent count in Seattle, it puts you behind the eight ball as an offense. Uh, now the defense is getting off a lot earlier. It's tougher to make the blocks. So getting an early offensive success in the run game, just establishing that you can consistently get first downs will somewhat take the steam out of that crowd. When it does, then you can really run your full offense and have a lot of success. Brock Purdy will have a lot a lot easier time communicating at the line of scrimmage. Jake Brendel will be able to communicate better on what the protections are. It just goes a long ways. If you let that crowd stay in it, that crowd is going to get you on a couple of times where you jump off sides. If they happen at the wrong times, it can be huge as far as a five-yard difference between you potentially getting a first down and not. So getting the crowd out of it is going to be important. And how you do that is establish a run game, get timely first downs, and just make it so the crowd doesn't have a lot to cheer for. By running the football and allowing that uh, run game to get going, you get that offensive line going forward. And when that offensive line is going forward, it takes pressure off of them. Uh, if you're going to have to line up and pass very consistently, uh, eventually you're, they're going to get home, right? Last week it was four sacks for Tampa Bay. There are just more opportunities to get sacks when you're throwing the football more. So that's another thing that would help this 49ers offense is if they can establish that. So I'm going to go through some of these comments here uh, and, and see what people are saying here. Uh, Mr. Corey says, Chase Young, two sacks. Remember that, Ant. All right, I will I will definitely remember that. Uh, Bobo says, our D-line will exploit Gino as a fraud. I, I think that's a good point. I think that Gino has been struggling a little bit. Our defensive line is very, very good, and they definitely could exploit Gino in this matchup. Daryl says, hit that like button, family. Go Niners. Yeah, please hit the like button. Uh, go ahead and trigger this out to everybody. So it's exactly what we want. And what's up to East Coast Red and Gold Podcast? He said, hey, faithful. Uh, thanks for stopping through. And everyone check out East Coast Red and Gold Podcast. Appreciate them coming through and checking out the chat. And look at this from Bobo. I love this. I believe Seattle won't even score a TD. So uh, that, that's, that's definitely possible, Bobo, that they don't even score a TD in this game. And that's what I want to get into now is a defensive matchup uh, that the 49ers are going to have to win. And it's it's a little bit similar to what it was last week against Baker Mayfield. It's confusing and pressuring Geno Smith. So one of the things that the 49ers did pre uh, their bye week was they had predefined what they were going to do in the secondary. Like they showed you one thing pre-snap and it wasn't that much different from what they did post-snap. It was very vanilla on the back end. Since they've come out of the bye, Steve Wilkes has been more aggressive with the way he calls his defense, with shell coverages, with disguises. He gets guys moving around. He shows one thing. He runs something else. It has been very important for them to run disguises. Now, in a short week, it's harder to put in more unless you already had it in against Tampa Bay or you already had it against the Jaguars. You can kind of go back to those similar concepts. And so I think that's what they're going to do in this game. I do think that they're going to be hyper-aggressive as far as disguising what Geno Smith is seeing early. 
The goal of it is to take away reads one and two and then go ahead and get to Geno Smith before he can check the ball down and get rid of the football. And that's what the 49ers need to do in this game. But how do you pressure him? Well, it's easy. You just make sure you have sticky enough coverage to give your defensive line time. I do believe that this defensive line can get home against the Seattle Seahawks five-man protection. They have too many weapons. Now with all the guys that they got uh, that can rush the passer, you can continue to rotate these lines through and just keep fresh bodies bringing pressure against the offensive line. So what does Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks offense have to do? Well, normally you would turn to a run game, but they're going to be without Kenneth Walker. He's listed as doubtful, uh, and Pete Carroll said it's unlikely he's going to play in this game. Geno Smith is going to play, but Kenneth Walker's out. And why is that significant? Well, Kenneth Walker has the ability to explode and take a play to the house. He also has the speed to be able to outrun 49ers linebackers to the side. We saw it last year, one little mistake, Dre Greenlaw can't get to the outside, and Kenneth Walker's in the end zone for a touchdown. Well, without that dynamic ability at the running back spot, it's not like they don't have a good running back. Zach Charbonnet, the rookie, is pretty good, but he's more balanced. He's less dynamic. He's less explosive. He's less create uh, off of you know something making something special happen, reversing field and doing something great. He's more defined in what his roles are. If there's a hole, he's going to get through it. He's going to do fine. If there's no hole, it's going to be difficult for Zach Charbonnet to make some plays. He is still a threat out of the backfield, but the 49ers are more inclined to make them one-dimensional. You can go in there and take away Zach Charbonnet and the, that Seattle Seahawks run game and put it all on Geno Smith. If they go ahead and they play tight coverage and they're able to limit the effectiveness of the passing game early and make Geno Smith feel uncomfortable, uh, they're going to they're gonna really be able to run away with this one because Geno, once he feels uncomfortable, is one of those players that will make mistakes. He'll put the ball in the danger zone. And that's exactly what the 49ers want. The 49ers create turnovers at a high rate, and they want to create turnovers in this matchup against Geno Smith. So making them one-dimensional and then taking away reads one and two, and it's a lot easier than you think. When you come up as, as far as an offense, and you're really watching game film, and you've had now you know nine, ten weeks of game film to watch, you're looking at these teams and you know what their concepts are from the offensive coordinator. You have a good idea that what they're doing out of – these set formations with this personnel leads to these plays. Then all of a sudden you look at it and you look at the alignment of the spacing and they're like, okay, that takes off these plays. And so now we've gotten it down to where it's two or three plays or two or three route concepts they could possibly run. And then you just try to figure that out post-snap. That makes it a lot easier to run sticky coverage, put pressure on Seattle's deep, or Seattle's offense and makes pressure on Geno Smith because now when he looks at reach one and two, and because of your great work, as far as coaching, film work, you are prepared to take those things away. Then he's got to throw it out. He's got to check it down. And if you know what the kill zone read is too, that hot route read, and you take that away, then it's a sack. And that's what the four years have done so much better. They've choked these plays off over the last several weeks. And I think that's going to be big in this football game for the 49ers, just to make sure they continue uh, you know, to kind of choke these plays off and make things happen on defense. Uh, Pern, what's up, Pern? Pern says 43 to 13 Niners and two pack of gum that Pete will cheat, uh, will go through. Uh, the law will have his vengeance. So th that's interesting. 43 13 would be fantastic, Pern. I mean, that would be absolutely dynamic. And there probably is a good chance, uh, that you'll see Pete Carroll 
go through a couple of packs of gum in this game. I think he's going to be highly stressed. It's a big time game. And if the Niners get out uh, to what they're, you know, could be doing in this game, it's going to be big. Uh, give attention to DK Metcalf. Mike Evans last week, you, you showed what you could do. You could limit him early. He did get a touchdown, but the Foyers did a great job of taking him away. What they did when Ambry Thomas came in and as nickel situations is they gave a lot of safety help. Not all the time, but a lot. They were going to, they kept Deshaun Gibson over the top or Talano Afonga to protect him. And they made it so it was tough for them to get the ball vertically down the field to Mike Evans. Now, I believe Mike Evans is a better receiver than DK Metcalf. He has a more extensive route tree. He's definitely able to create separation on more routes. DK is fast. He's got a lot of explosiveness. He can put pressure on you down the field. But I think because he has a more limited route tree, he's less dangerous. But I do believe the 49ers should show him some respect on his vertical game, maybe give a safety over the top. Might be a good job for Jair Brown, where it's very defined role for what he's supposed to do. Don't do it all the time. You got to keep these guys guessing. You got to disguise. But I think that's a, a key to this game is making sure you limit DK Metcalf's explosives. And if you take those away, I think the Foyers are going to be able to get off the field on third down because Seattle is one of the worst offenses in the NFL on third down. They convert at 31%. It's really bad. So the 49ers know what they have to do. Stop early down success. Make them one-dimensional and go ahead and get off the field on third down. And one of the ways you do that is limiting explosives. So pay attention to DK Metcalf. I'm not saying all the time, but try to limit the amount of times you get one-on-ones between DK Metcalf and Ambry Thomas. We've seen DK be able to beat Charverius Ward deep. We've seen him be able to beat Diameter Lenore deep in the matchups over the last couple of years. So the 49ers know that he's a tough matchup, but I wouldn't be as worried about Chavarius Ward or Diamond Lenore one-on-one as I am Ambry Thomas. Just make sure you make Ambry feel comfortable because Diamond Lenore is going to have his hands full inside, you know, playing against Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Jig Bobo. It's going to be tough enough. Pass rush lane integrity. When you're rushing the passer, you have to make sure you pay attention to the pass rush lane integrity because you can't have Geno Smith extending plays and getting first downs. And he did that. Last year, he had some opportunities where he took advantage of the four yards losing their pass rush lanes and was able to get first downs. Those things can't happen. If you stop him on those situations from running the football and converting on third down and getting first downs, you're going to absolutely stuff the Seattle Seahawks offense. I think he has to have those plays against the 49ers for them to consistently move the ball against this defense. And I think if the 49ers take those away, it's going to be very difficult for Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks to have any sort of long-term success. And Mr. Corey says, what do you think of about Ben Barch? Um, I like Ben Barch. I went back and I watched film. I told Donald this. Um, Donald had hit me up in, uh, in Messenger. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, I said, I'm just starting to get into Ben Barch. I didn't know a whole lot about him, but I wanted to take a look at him uh, before I had, you know, a lot of um, comments about what he is. And I thought that overall, I liked his feet. I know he's a former tight end. The makeup makes a lot of sense. Uh, so he definitely fits the scheme. The fact that he has 20 starts make a lot of sense. You're bringing in a guy that's going to replace Nick Sakel as one of your depth pieces for the interior offensive line. The rotation is probably going to be established where Feliciano is going to get more reps, which means you needed better insulation. Yeah, they have young players on their practice squad, guys like Il Manning. They brought in other guys uh, from other teams like Jesse Davis that they picked up off practice squads that they have on their practice squad. 
So they have players that can help if needed. I don't know how quick Ben Barch is going to be able to help the 49ers, right? How quickly can he figure out the scheme? Because the 49ers' offensive run game is so intricate, can he be able to get to the right spots at the right time in the run game? I don't know. I think that could be closer to Philadelphia where he could be a legitimate option to help the 49ers in game. Uh, but you know what I mean? He's definitely a guy that the 49ers have to be interested in, uh, you know, getting developed because injuries along the offensive line are just the name of the game. I kind of expect it to be Aaron Banks at left guard and John Feliciano for this matchup. And then I think they'll probably elevate one offensive lineman. So they have depth and we'll see if they keep Barch as an active or inactive for when the, you know, the, when they actually play the game, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, that is for sure. We have this one from Jan. What's up, Jan, by the way? Do you think the Niners will make a play for Shaq? I don't know. How much do they not want Dallas or Philadelphia to have Shaq? Now, I think that Shaq is a, a, a great linebacker. I mean, he's super talented. I would love to have him on the 49ers. I just don't know how realistic that is of a signing. Now, if he was willing to come here and you wanted to prevent him from getting to those teams, I think it's worth it. If you, you know, shot him a little bit of money, he wants to win a Super Bowl, it makes sense. Here's the problem with him even wanting to come to San Francisco. Why would a player of his stature want to come to San Francisco where he's only going to play 20%, 20, 25% of the snaps? The amount of times the 49ers are in nickel because of what defense or what offenses do to them is, is 75 to 80% of the time, depending on what team you're playing. I don't see Shaq coming in and playing that role. If we had a significant injury at linebacker and he was going to step in and play next to Fred Warner. I think that that would make a lot of sense. Uh, so to me, I think it's more realistic that he ends up going to a contender uh, somewhere else. You know, Pittsburgh's needing linebackers. That would make sense for him. Of course, Dallas and Philadelphia we could both be interested. They definitely need upgrades at linebacker. The Cowboys are missing Van Der Esch. That would be a huge pickup for them. Uh, so I just don't think it's realistic. Would I love it? Absolutely. And if he was only willing to play 20 25% of the snaps in place of Oren Burks, you could say our San Francisco 49ers defense got even better. And yeah, you would have him as insulation in case something happened for him to step in. But I just think with the way that he is and the amount he wants to prove that he can still play this game, I don't know if he's going to want to take you know that that trim as far as playing time. And so I don't think he's realistic for that reasons. Uh, but I would love it. I would absolutely love to see him uh, make the team. Uh, Bobo says, don't he have to clear waivers? He actually did. So he cleared waivers earlier today. He is able to sign with any team in the NFL. The way his contract was, it made it so he was definitely going to be one of those guys that cleared waivers. Field Yates talked about it, that you were going to be on the on the line for a lot of money in future seasons. I mean, he was going to be making 17 to 20 million for the next three seasons um, per season. So you just couldn't take on that type of cap hit. So everyone knew he was going to clear waivers. Now it's about who can pony up and give him the best situation, the best money uh, for him to be able to, to handle it. So yeah. And Jan says he will come here for the rings and maybe he will, if he's in the mindset that he wants to win a super bowl and he wants to do it right now in, in San Francisco, he believes they've got the team to do it. He, he's making, he's going to make $6 million for the rest of the year from Indianapolis. He could easily come here on a cheap deal just to win a ring. I'm not saying that's not a situation that can always happen. I just think it's unlikely. You got to believe Dallas has, has an opportunity. Philadelphia is the number one team in the NFC record-wise right now. Uh, so those are opportunities to win as well, where he could probably get paid a little bit as well. So I think that those are definitely uh, possibilities. You know, in the grand scheme, they could be guys 
Uh, I mean, that's where the guy like him could land. So let's talk about turnovers a little bit. The San Francisco 49ers have 19 takeaways this season, and the Seattle Seahawks have 14. What's interesting, the 49ers have 14 interceptions on the season. They have been ball hawking in the secondary, making plays. Of course, they did lose one of their biggest ball hawks in Talanoa Hufanga. And we'll see how that ends up uh, corresponding to what the 49ers do on the back end. A lot of times you can see results uh, you know, that show up, and then there's also results you don't see, things that Talanoa Hufanga was doing that maybe uh, were grunt work that you didn't expect or even some of the things he was taking off other people's plates to let them shine. So we'll see what that looks like with Jair Brown in the mix. But the 49ers defense has been very opportunistic this season. 19 turnovers. They're doing a very good job. Last year, they had a really good number as well, and they're on track to beat that number. Uh, with it, When it comes to giveaways, the 49ers have given the ball away nine times this season. Five interceptions from Brock Purdy, two fumbles on strip sacks on Brock Purdy, and two Christian McCaffrey red zone fumbles. Uh, looks like McCaffrey's already figured that out. Those were not the norm for Christian McCaffrey. So 49ers do a pretty good job taking care of the ball. Only nine turnovers. That's less than one turnover a game. You look at Seattle, they've turned over the ball 11 times, but still done a pretty good job. Geno Smith, seven interceptions on the season. So there are opportunities there. You look at the turnover differential, 49ers are plus 10. Seahawks are plus three. So the 49ers are you know, causing a lot of turnovers and not turning over the football themselves. That's when you get in the elite category as an NFL team. Seahawks being in the plus category means they're efficient team that way. That's how they overcome some of the weaknesses as far as their defense, a scoring defense, and also not scoring a lot of points on offense. Uh, you get it done with turnovers. The question is, with the 49ers being plus seven over the Seahawks, can that help the Seahawks a lot in this game? So I'm about to do the wow, that's bold prediction. So if you guys have a bold prediction, go ahead and put it in the chat right now. Really interested to get into these bold predictions. And my first bold prediction is going to be Kyle Juszczyk gets a touchdown. I think in this matchup, there's going to be a situation where Kyle Juszczyk is going to get ignored because the 49ers run more 21 personnel than any team in this league. And I think that he's, there's going to come a situation where he's going to get a favorable matchup. Seattle's going to lose him, and Juszczyk's going to come up with a touchdown. Now, could it? I envision it being in the passing game, but I think it could be in the run game as well. So, juice with the touchdown. And then I think this is usually a safe bet. I don't know how bold it is, but George Kittle's going to have another big game. And I think George Kittle's going to go for over 100 yards receiving and two touchdowns. I think he's a matchup problem for Jamal Adams, for Quadre Diggs. I think those are going to be problems for them. And I just think George Kittle is going to have a huge impact on this game. Seattle's going to come in trying to stop McCaffrey, trying to focus on Brandon Ayuk, maybe even worried about Debo. Might be George Kittle time. So I think he's going to have a couple of big touchdowns on offense. And then on defense, I think that the 49ers are going to cause three turnovers. Uh, I think, yes, yeah, Seattle's done a good job of taking care of the ball, but I think the 49ers are going to put Geno into bad situations and he's going to uh, have some turnovers in this game. I think they're going to create three. I don't think the Niners are going to turn over the football, and I think that's going to be a big resounding reason why the 49ers uh, come to the outcome that they do come to. And then Ambry Thomas. So look at this. You have everybody in the secondary has an interception that has basically been playing consistently for the 49ers, even Jair Brown, right? Everyone has it. The only linebackers that don't, that the starting linebacker that doesn't have an interception is Drake Greenlaw. Even Oren Burks has an interception. 
And I think Ambry Thomas gets off the snide. I think Ambry Thomas is going to have an interception in this game, and it's going to be a big pivotal interception. So uh, that's what I that's what I, I hope to see. Now let's get into what some people were saying here about what their um, bold predictions are. The uh, Bobo says bold prediction: Debo three TDs. Ooh, I like that. Uh, Bobo going big there. Jan says that Geno Smith is going to throw four interceptions. That would be wonderful uh, right there. And then Mr. Croyce's bold prediction, Kittle goes for 200. Wow. I had him going 100. I thought that was bold. Uh, but Mr. Corey's not playing any games. He said, hey, I, I'm more bold than you, and I'm going 200 yards for Kittle. Let's just say this. If Kittle goes off for 200 yards, the 49ers are absolutely having a very enjoyable day as far as Thanksgiving, they, they're topping it off right there. Uh, that's the, the cherry on top. Donald says Jan uh, says that Brown will have a one or two INTs. Okay, so he's saying Jair Brown will have one or two INTs. So if he did, if he did two INTs in two games, he would equal Talanoa Hufanga's season total. So Hufanga had three interceptions. Jair Brown has one. If he could get two in this game, could you imagine? Yeah, that's exactly what we're seeing here from Razo. He believes Brown could get another another INT as well. I think it's a possibility. And if they keep Jair Brown over the top on DK Metcalf, Geno Smith will throw them up. Jair Brown is a big-bodied individual who can go up and get the football. Uh, that's a that's a good possibility there. And now it's time for the game prediction. So I'm going to go ahead and give my score prediction in a second. Fill it up in chat with what you believe the San Francisco 49ers and Seattle Seahawks score is going to be. So after really breaking down Seattle, I think they're a talented football team. They've done a good job of trying to take it, take um, some of their weaknesses and make them strengths. Bringing in Leonard Williams was huge. Bringing back Frank Clark. Uh, they've still got you know Bobby Wagner at linebacker. They've got aggressive style uh, secondary players like Jamal Adams and guys who can tackle on the back end with these young corners that they've brought in. Yeah, it's great, right? They've got talent on defense. And on offense, they've got all the playmakers you could possibly want. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jake Bobo, uh, Noah Fant at, at tight end. A lot of talent. The problem is it just doesn't translate consistently in points. Last week, they were only able to score 16 points against the Los Angeles Rams, and they gave up 17. Uh, their defense played well, but still not good enough to win because the offense is – at times just very ineffective. Once you take Kenneth Walker out of this offense, I think it could be a real problem for the Seattle Seahawks. They can make some one-dimensional as much as I like Zach Charbonnet. I don't think he's arrived yet as a young player. I think they're probably going to have to try some of their other guys. Maybe McIntosh gets some carries in this game as well. But I think if the four years come in with an intent to stop the run, they play sticky coverage early on. They're going to get to Geno Smith. They're going to have opportunities for turnovers. And I think that's what's ultimately going to be too much. Uh, Seattle's going to turn over the football. They're not going to have success on third down. That's going to give the 49ers offense more opportunities. I believe they'll establish a run game with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And I think that uh, they're going to have some advantages with George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey in space. I think they're going to get the ball out. They're going to limit the effectiveness of Seattle being aggressive at the line of scrimmage. And I think the 49ers are going to get the ball out there real quickly. And they're just going to make some plays. And so – I think that you know you guys are throwing out here uh, some stuff already about the score prediction. Mr. Corey has uh, 49ers 35 to seven. Donald 35 to seven. 
Bobo, 38 to 6. No TDs for Seattle, only field goals. I like that. And where I'm going with it, I got the San Francisco 49ers winning this game 34 to 16. I think the 49ers are going to take advantage of Seattle's defense, and they're just going to score a lot of points. And I think it comes with it comes to Seattle. I, I think they're going to kick some field goals in this game. You know, I, I think the Warriors are going to uh, do a good job of slowing down Seattle. I wouldn't even be shocked to see them score less than 16 points. But I think at some point, Kyle Shanahan will pull off in the fourth quarter, try to rest his guys, save them a little bit, even though they have a longer amount of time, a break. Uh, he wants to get some of those other guys in there, and I think he's going to have an opportunity in this game. And who would have ever thought? I think at times this one will be close early. Uh, but I think at some point in the third quarter, the 49ers will absolutely pull away. That's what they've been doing lately. And I think they do that against Seattle. I don't think Seattle has the team to consistently hang with the 49ers as long as the 49ers don't make mistakes. 49ers play well, don't make mistakes. I think they're going to win this football game, and I think they're going to feel uh, pretty, pretty comfortable with it. So let's look at some of these chats here. Um, I like this from Bobo. Purdy will sit in the fourth. How about that? If Purdy's sitting in the fourth, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, Clown Man says, uh, what? Oh, man, watch out. Let's not get lazy in the mind. This isn't two games ago. No, I don't think anyone's getting lazy in the mind. I think, you know, we're just understanding what we're seeing uh, from both teams. And uh, Kyle Shannon is going to make sure he has this game well in hand before he, he backs anyone off. Uh, I just think that the four yards are going to be able to really uh, take advantage of the Seattle Seahawks. And I think part of the ineffectiveness on offense is just going to create more opportunities for the four yards, um, you know, to get the ball and be able to get get points. And I think they have the weapons now, and they're feeling confident in the reads with the playmakers that they have that they're going to consistently be able uh, to get things done. And Bobo says, you know, a garbage time TD, maybe. Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, is no, you don't take anyone lightly when you go into these football games. Uh, but when you really look at the matchups and look at the game. I mean, of course, when you have crowd noise and you have a rivalry, things can always change and things can always be different. But I, I fully expect the four years know that they know the moment. Uh, they, they know what they got to do and they got to go in and win. Now, last year, the 49ers did not blow out Seattle in Seattle during the regular season. Brock Purdy had injured ribs and they came, they went in and got the win. And that's the most important thing. Uh, but when they came to the playoffs, the 49ers scored a lot of points, over 40 points against Seattle in that wild card game. And Brock Purdy was absolutely humming. And I think that's where you get the idea that the matchup of the 49ers for Seattle is just a tough matchup for Seattle. Of course, it's got to be played out on the field, and we're going to find out in this game. Uh, the Smitty says 28-13 49ers. I think that's a great score. I would I would take that in a heartbeat, a 15-point victory for the 49ers. It sounds pretty good to me. And, you know, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong call here. I think if somebody came to me and said, hey, it's going to be 23-20 49ers and say, hey, it's a division rivalry game, Stuff like that happens. I just believe that the 49ers can, you know, get a, a big win in this one and really set themselves apart. And I think they're highly motivated. I think they're they didn't have even have time to rest on their laurels from that game last week against Tampa Bay. It's just been about getting their body right, turning their attention to Seattle. And they know how important this one is. A win, you're two games up and a loss, and Seattle has an opportunity to catch you, and you don't want that to happen. You don't want Seattle to even have a chance to sniff you as far as catching you in a division. So, yeah, I think it's a, a good a good matchup for the 49ers. I think it's going to go the 49ers' way. And I really appreciate everyone coming through for the game preview show. Uh, like and subscribe to the channel, audio platform. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope I see you guys all after the game, Thanksgiving Day. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys 
are going to enjoy uh, the game. And so, Mr. Corey, I will definitely look into uh, the player that you put in chat, and I will I will try to get as much breakdown. Of course, when we get past the season, that's when I really turn into uh, draft time, when I know the four years positions. Uh, they're definitely going to be addressing offensive line, so I'm going to look into that. But, yeah, I hope you guys will all come through. hope you guys all have a great Thanksgiving, and I hope the 49ers give everyone the Thanksgiving gift that they absolutely want, and that is a big, big victory. So thanks for everyone for watching. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers way.